Listening Dog Media. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan. Hello and a very warm welcome to a new season on the Offside Rule. We get it. Hayley McQueen, woohoo, we're back. Kate Borsay, we are, but we are missing one member of the vital team already. As Lindsay Hooper is currently working on the Olympics, we've decided to take hold of everything pre-season, transfer centre and uh, start of the new Premier League season. And my goodness, what a start it's been. It certainly has. We're going to be running through the start of the season. Those players who made their debuts and Hayley, you're going to be giving us your debuts 11 plus a few extras mm-hmm. and that we might even put in a fantasy team like last year. Can't believe we're going to do it again. It was a bit of a disaster last year, but a few interesting picks like Deli Alley. So maybe we can redeem ourselves this year. Lindsay Hooper, by the way, last seen running away from the diving pool in Rio. Apparently it smells of farts. Oh, does it? <laughs> that was probably Lindsay. <laughs> oh, I hope she's not listening to this. So Lindsay's due back next week from this season, certainly the start of the season, we're going to be going every fortnight um, as we adjust our schedules a little bit and work around all the things that us three have got going on. The website, though, still very much five or so new pieces of content a day and there's loads of stuff going on on our YouTube YouTube channel as well. Website address um, www.offsiderulepodcast.com. I've nearly forgotten it. It's so long since I've mentioned it, but I look at it every day. There are some great new writers as well. We've got some great new women on board and a new look team of the week as well. Pop over there and have a little look. Now, Hayley, not just talking debutantes in the Premier League, we've got loads more to go as well. What do players get up to in the summer break? And you've um, been digging out or doing a bit of investigating, or maybe just looking through your postcards? Well, you quite often look at where footballers go, and there's the typical LA, Miami. If you're one of the lads, you probably go to <laughs> Vegas, don't you? You've got the lovely... Fortaventura? Oh, Fortaventura as well, that comes on there. Skeggy? Skegness, absolutely. Sometimes these footballers surprise us as to what they decide to do in the summer. Poor Adnan Yanazai, he didn't even go on holiday. He just posted a series of pictures on Instagram of him in the gym working out. Oh, bless him. Well, hard work pays off, doesn't it, Adnan? You hope, anyway. All right, well, more on that a little bit later on as we have a look through some postcards from footballers, find out what's been going on in their life over the summer. Um, you've been on a constant holiday all summer, Haley. You're a ridiculous shade of brown. Mm. But you're back, I know, and focused and doing lots of exciting things this season on Sky sports as well as you um, are going to be presenting live games and all sorts yeah which is quite exciting I, I actually had only gone to Turkey for five days that was my full <laughs> summer holiday sorry yeah yeah okay. and I was a bit upset about that and then obviously you put your foot down I put my foot down and mm. thought you know what I need my own pre-season preparation <laughs> so I took nine whole oh, days of some warm work. weather training exactly that mm. to get rest really helped my, my, my voice by eating and drinking as much as I could in Portugal for a nice week's holiday where I went with my other half and it was delightful and then came back to all things Premier League and I still don't feel like I'm fully ready for it yet it's already started. It feels like, and I know we say this every year, it feels like it's kind of launched and although we can't wait, it feels ages to wait but then when it arrives suddenly it pops up out of nowhere, particularly I guess when you've got football going on during the summer, European Championships of course will just... Um, brush those to one side I think and concentrate on the Premier League but also when you've got Olympic stuff going on as well first of all though 
the Premier League is go. Yes, this is topic number one. Just like every good episode of Thunderbirds, groups of finely honed figurines turn up to battle it out for one common good. Post-match interviews, well, they might be a little bit wooden, but there's no need to run for Tracy Island. Oh, no. What five, four, three, two, one, well, just two things, actually, popped up in this season's opening episode of the Premier League that you would like to look back at. Hayley? Well, you're probably going to tell us about the positives and about the managerial debut, so I'm just going to run over some of the bad luck. I mean, it's already been discussed at length, making all the headlines. Leicester losing, not just losing, but playing pretty badly, and against Hull, a side in utter chaos. So there was a bit of bad luck there. There was the seven-goal thriller as a fan. We loved watching mm-hmm. Liverpool against Arsenal. It was great, wasn't it? For you, yes, it was a <laughs> Liverpool fan. Poor Petr Cech conceded four goals and then crashes his car on the way out of the Emirates. So that was more bad luck. Not like Petr, really, is it? No, but there you go. It was a, a lovely Audi, probably worth over £100,000. <laughs> What about the first red card of the weekend as well? That went to Ben Watson. The only red card of the weekend, a really high number of yellows, uh, but with all the new changes being implemented with the rules of refereeing, I think that is going to be something which we're going to be talking about at length. But Mm. there was not too much to discuss. The odd decision that might not have gone the way of the teams, Costa being one of those. But I think um, Ben Watson would be very upset, not just about being sent off, but he'd only come on as a substitute and uh, had been on for 12 minutes. And an injury as well for Andre Ayew for West Ham. Club record fee of over £20 million. But is, is now a doubt they have huge games, of course, in Europe midweek. Back-to-back games at the weekend. Uh, a first home game in the new stadium as well. And they could do with their, their bright young things and, and new signings. And nobody wants to get injured at the beginning of the season. Particularly not when you're a new signing and your manager is relying on you. Talking of bad luck... Sunderland's Paddy McNair couldn't have got much worse for him, could it? Signed on the Thursday, trained on the Friday, own goal on the Saturday. It's the Moyes Man United <laughs> moving over to Sunderland, isn't it? Because he gave him his debut yeah. for Manchester United and now he made sure that he played in that game and it's like there's something not quite right up there. So Alex Ferguson has done it. It's like witchcraft, isn't it? <sighs> yeah. Um, bad luck Jamie Vardy as well. Terrible game for him, by the way. His stats are awful. Completed only seven passes. No shots on target, just 20 touches of the ball. So what do you do? Well, if you're Jamie Vardy, and I understand this, there's a lot of passion there, you give it a bit of an air punch, don't you? (laughs) Except he didn't hit the air, he hit his own face instead. Bad luck, Jamie Vardy. Oh dear, it's one of those comedy moments, isn't it? (laughs) That he wished he'd never been involved in. Okay, well, my thing really to focus on with this opening weekend of the Premier League is all the managers. We have become the league of the super manager. There is no other league in the world that contains as much managerial talent. And I've got some stats to prove it, by the way. If you put all of our 19 managers, obviously the whole city job's vacant at the moment. If you put them all together, they've won 66 trophies between them. Match that against La Liga and you've only got 38. So we are statistically... We have the most successful number of managers in the Premier League right now. How many new managers in the league, Hayley? I think there are eight. So eight managers taking charge of their sides for the first time in the top flight this weekend. I want to really think about managers that we might 
like, that we might really invest in, and managers who we might fall out of love with a bit, managers who we think, "Mm, actually, I'm not sure I'm going to get on with you. And I have to, as part of one of my jobs, edit a lot of press conferences and things. So I get to see quite a few managers talking. And and it's those light moments. It's the Ranieri pizza moments that Mm. you kind of love, isn't it, as a pundit and as a fan. But at the same time, it's the little bits of petulance. It's when they won't talk that you think, hmm, clearly there's something going on there. Now, one manager, in fact, I've got two managers here, both of whom it could go either way, but I think I know the way it's going to go. I've chosen two Italians, Antonio Conte. Mm-hmm. Lovely blue eyes, for one, yes. which, which I find very alluring. I kind of presume it's not just because I'm a female, that I look at him giving press conferences and stuff. I've been working a, a bit at Chelsea over the summer, and I'm very drawn in by them. So looking into a deep ocean. Well, they're just, they're just, they're very alluring. He's, he's got something very alluring and, and, and his manner. Mm-hmm. I've always liked him as a manager in terms of his passion and his work ethic and his ability to manage, you know, more than the slightly average size ego, as he's done in the past. He's got great hair as well, Kate. <laughs> Lovely silky locks. Let's not go too far down that particular <laughs> road. Thank you very much. Look, his work in restoring Juventus to the top of Italian football won him critical acclaim. He's a very precise orator. He always tells it like it is, but in a very intelligent, succinct way. But he does lose his call. Cool. So I will fall out with him if he starts to get all flappy in Italian. Because I love Italian men. But when you're on the wrong side of them and when it doesn't go well for them, sometimes it's not a fairy tale ending. I've also chosen Walter Mazzari as well, Watford coach. Quite a lot of press about how there was a negative atmosphere when he was dismissed from Inter. And I think that's always going to be a blot on his copybook. He's had a pretty much a successful and fairly impressive coaching career apart from that. But I know that he's kind of the opposite of Flores, whereas Flores was very amenable, very, very, you know, softly spoken. Instead, Mazzari is this kind of sort of Italian who kind of smokes and fumes at the same time. There was a story about him smoking, wasn't there, in the press. Renowned for his furious outbursts on the touchline and openly says, I've always been an unpopular coach. Now, that's all very well saying all that, but I think when you're in the Premier League, I think the Italians understand passion, and I think that the Spaniards do to a certain extent as well. I don't think we always understand it in this country if there's a barrier that's crossed. You know, when kind of passion becomes outburst and rudeness and ego, I don't think we guess it. So that's why I'm very much on the fence. What about you? I've gone for pretty much the same in that being a Manchester United fan, I thought I'd best not go for Jose Mourinho, but I think Jose and Pep are going to be the story when we have the news conferences and one's going to say one and the other's going to, not so much bite, but I would like to think that the press play with that and that they react off each other as well. I hope that Mourinho doesn't turn into the manager that he did at Chelsea when mm. he was just painful to watch sometimes. Okay, it was entertaining, but not the kind of entertaining that, that you want when it's just all going a bit sour. I want him to be as passionate as he possibly can be. But I think the most passionate manager that we've seen so far is by far and away Antonio Conte. When you saw him on the touchline and every little thing that was happening, he was going wild. His, his beautifully sort of adorned suit was, was swinging here, there and everywhere. You saw flashes of the lining every five minutes. But he's minutes, going to completely exhaust himself though, isn't he? he is, if yeah. he sort of carries on yeah. with that. He's like a hungry animal, <laughs> but like one of those animals that... A gnarling dog with bright white teeth. Yeah, like a, <laughs> like a black Labrador with a silky mane. <laughs> called, are they manes on dogs? I'm not too sure. But his coats. passion, coats, his passion was brilliant. Mazzari for me as well. I just think, how are you when you're, you know you're an unpopular coach yeah. and you're having to 
discuss things with your players and instruct them in a foreign language? How do you communicate? I just think that's a real, you know, real problem. Also, he's been out of work for quite some time since leaving Inter. In fact, since November 2014. He hasn't worked since. He got a huge, handsome payoff. In fact, they were still paying his three and a half million pounds or million euro a year salary until the end of June. What did he do with this time? Well, I admire him for this. He moved to Manchester. He stayed with an English family. And it was, he said, to help learn English, help absorb himself in Premier League English football. But when you saw his little pre-season video to Watford fans saying, you know, I'm really delighted and blah, 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 his English wasn't up to crack at all. So if that's what six months learning English has done... I do fear for his application. Yeah, and nobody likes to watch a post-match press conference or an interview oh, with, a, with a translator next to them. No, definitely not. Hi, I'm Jeff Stelling, and you're listening to The Offside Rule. Three women talking about football. I'm used to listening to four old women talking about football on Saturday afternoons, so I definitely prefer this. All right, we're going in again, Hayley. The new boys' 11 is resurrected for this 2016-17 season. So time to pick our team of Premier League debutantes, put them in a fantasy team, and then leave them to... I put Blossom, but I've changed it to Rot for a whole season <laughs> because we don't change them once they're there. Who's going to come up trumps in this and be the new Deli Alley? And who's going to plump for a player who gets loaned out without a single game to their name? Let the battle commence. Hayley, you've been masterfully creating this team for us and I'm going to chip in with a few thoughts as well. So let's talk goalkeepers. Okay, we'll race through this as quick as we can. But luckily, even though I'd had a bit of a look at the debutantes before the weekend, we've had a whole weekend (laughs) to kind of tinker with things and think, actually, he was absolutely pants. He's not getting in our team. Defensively, we've struggled. There are not that many defenders who've come to the Premier League and signed with the side that have never played in the top flight of English football before. So we have struggled there. Goalkeeper, at the moment, we have Loris Carius from Mans. I'm nicknaming him the Hans from Mans. Do you like that? Uh, yeah, I love it, love it. Okay. Again, goalkeepers, we struggled slightly because there aren't that many. I thought, oh, Victor Valdez at Middlesbrough. Of course, he's been in the Premier League, mm. of course, with Manchester United. Now, if Manchester City get hold of Claudio Bravo, that is Which when... Which they should, just because yeah. of his name alone. Bravo. And we will bring him into our side. Okay. So he's from Barcelona. That's, I think, the reason, one of the reasons. He's, he's not playing Hart. Hart will be gone, linked with Everton. Caballero isn't quite good enough. Hart might not go to Everton, but he is linked with them. So if Bravo comes in from Barcelona, and they have said they didn't want to let him go because Ter Sturgen, the other goalkeeper, is currently injured. So they said the big game against Real Betis at the weekend if you sign him when he has his medical we want him straight back for the weekend to put him into our team mm. if the Spanish press are to be believed so we may have him in there but we won't go into too much detail yeah. until he signs but we have Carius who is um, competition for Simon Mignolet he's the the former German under 21 international he kept nine clean sheets for his side in the Bundesliga last season okay defense we both agree on Eric Bailly Manchester United what I love about him is that he's winning plaudits despite all the superstar names around him very physically imposing in fact I don't think since kind of Vidic have United mm-hmm. seen that much mm-hmm. of a tough tackling physically imposing defender so he gets my vote and man of the match as well two yeah. games running which is great cost 30 million pounds money well spent from Villarreal he was, I wouldn't say he was little known but had you have said to me Eric Bailly last season, oh, I kind of heard the name, but I'm not mm. too sure I could tell you too much about him. So he was the least blockbuster of, of Mourinho's four summer signings, but looks a fine force so far, fierce tackling and comfortable in possession as well. Now we've got another Liverpool player, 
He signed from Augsburg for £4.2 million, Ragnar Klavan. Now, Ragnar, it sounds like he should be auditioning on X Factor here, doesn't mm. he, as opposed to playing oh, in the like Premier League. Oh, like you could order him in a Turkish restaurant. Oh, yeah. yeah. He sounds delicious. Mm. OK. He's a very experienced Estonian centre-back and made his debut in that seven-goal thriller at the weekend. He had an OK game. He is seen as a hard-as-nails centre-back. He's six foot one, he's muscular, he's strong, he's great at tackling, good in the air, lots of attributes. Booked just twice in the Bundesliga last season, surprisingly. Mm. Now, he started his career in midfield, meaning he is able to bring himself out of defence, filling at left-back as well, so he is a very versatile player. I think we'll see a lot more of him. OK, next one up. There's a couple of players that we We've got down here, obviously, with a fantasy team. You don't just have your 11, so we have options. We're going with Christian Cabasele from Genk. He signed for £6 million and joins Watford. He's joined on a five-year deal, so he's there for the long term. He's 25 years old, and he was part of the Belgian Euro 2016 campaign. Okay, they didn't do brilliantly. Yet to make his international debut, but he is definitely one for the future, and I think he may shine this Mm -hmm. season in in a Watford side who might struggle, but he could be the shining light. Your next one, Mike van der Horn, just for his name alone. Just for his name. We know Ashley Williams has obviously left now and signed for Everton, so that opened the door for for this signing here. Now, he has fierce competition. Virgil van Dijk, Congolo, van Beek. There are a lot of other players who are at Swansea that he has to battle for a place for, but he needs to show that he is up for it. I don't know a ton about this guy, but he is an option for Swansea. Um, Swansea, a little bit like Watford for me. I don't quite know what to expect from them this season. Mm. I think they're going to give us a Leicester, not right down there battling against relegation, but just, I don't know, 15th, 16th-ish thereabouts. Neither of these sides excite me, and maybe neither of these two signings do either, but to keep the money down in a fantasy team, that's what we've gone for. We both like the look of Lewis Cook if we're Mm. going into midfield. Yeah, you picked him out. He was the Football League Young Player of the Year, just 19 years old, one of the championship's hottest prospects. He was never going to stay at Leeds forever, product of their academy. Eddie Howe tried to sign him in January, but Steve Evans managed to keep hold of him. He could be one to watch Mm. and a very exciting prospect. Yeah, he was. it was a tough ask against Man United, really, wasn't it, for his debut for Bournemouth? But I thought he looked pretty tenacious. He didn't look mm. two-phased. So certainly someone we should have in our team, keep an eye on. Who else in midfield? OK, as an extra, we're, we're going to shove in Nolita here. He signed from Celta Vigo for £13.8 million to City. Plays out on the left. He's pacey. In his debut, nothing really materialised from anything that he did, but he did make runs. It'll take a while for Pep Guardiola to, to sort of figure out his formation to see if Nolita can impress. There were moments of encouragement, but he was taken off after an hour. In fact, he didn't have a great debut, but we're just going to sugar it up. Nemanja Vidic didn't have a great debut for United. Patrice Evra, as I remember, had a terrible debut for United. So we can't go on one game. I'm not saying he's going to shine for Manchester City, but he's in there as an option. And he's uh, one of our guys who we could potentially bring in as a sub one If we're week. going for a budget busting, and, mm. and I'll have to look at the figures, we would put Pogba in there, despite the fact that oh, he's yeah. played... He's, he's never started a Premier League no. game, but he has played in a couple of games for Manchester United the first time he was there. So if we were budget busting, we'd put him in. Instead, oh, now here's an interesting prospect, mm. Pierre-Emile Holberg, signed to Southampton from Bayern Munich. Very flexible tactically, so he can mm. play in a number of positions, which is why he's great for a fantasy team, because he's a useful player down at Southampton. Quite a bit of early hype around this player. Signed for £12.8 million to Southampton. Spent the majority of his time at Bayern Munich on loan. I think now that early hype's died down and he's able to just 
get a job on basically mm. at Southampton I think it'll be lovely to see him develop there and I think that they've got the framework to do so so that one really interesting for me I think he made that choice to join a club where he knew he was going to be a regular starter because when he played under Pep I think he fell out with him at some point I read that somewhere I'd like to find out a little bit mm. about that I'm sure it's a topic to come but he was very close to Pep Guardiola but he kept sending him out on loan for experience didn't quite manage to um, cement his side in the team he was linked with a move to wherever Pep went next to City but he, he was never going to get a look in in, in in a Manchester City side so Southampton seems to suit this uh, Danish youngster a couple more that we'll add in with just a quick line on um, Stephen Defoe for Burnley mm-hmm. part of a golden generation of Belgian players as well a target of Sir Alex Ferguson back in 2009 you could say he's had his best day but he still has lots to offer he's very experienced we like him at the offside rule because he had a chance to play for Al Jazeera for serious bucks but he turned it down and went to Burnley instead he said I had to choose between sporting ambition and finances I opted for the sporting aspect every player wants to play in the Premier League not on the weekend's performance but one we've put in there that we might add in Granite Xhaka now he's quite an interesting player for me Um, him and his brother played in the Euros an opposing team Switzerland and Albania I think it was and he is is a good player but you wouldn't know it from what happened at the weekend he attempted five tackles Haley. he won one he gave away four fouls and was booked and uh, nobody in the entire match conceded more free kicks than Xhaka. He was um, only on for 28 minutes as well. Yeah. So not the best game for him. Um, you've got to watch his cards as well, which is not great, is it, for a fantasy team. In three seasons in the Bundesliga, 25 yellows, five reds. So he may be a bit of a liability. I'm going to put him on hold and only add him in if we need to do so for cash. Yeah, you mentioned those fouls there. It was the most of any player in the opening weekend of a Premier League game ever. Oh dear. Okay. Yeah, not okay. just this weekend. All right, moving forward to... Yeah, well, we've got to put Ibrahimovic in there, of course. Mm. He was always going to score in his Premier League debut, wasn't he? He got 38 goals for Paris Saint-Germain last season. Don't expect him to get anywhere near that for Manchester United. But if he can consistently score every now and again for a 35-year-old in Great Nick, who's a wonderful character and just what United need, he is what makes them title contenders. And they have so many options for goals now at Manchester United. But I was so excited to see him because he didn't underwhelm, that's for sure. I'm going to go quickly through the rest because we're running out of time. Vincent Janssen for Tottenham mm-hmm. thought the game improved. It got better for Spurs when he came on and paired up with Kane up front. Game ended in a draw, as we know, but I like the look of him and I think he'll be a real improvement mm-hmm. for that Tottenham side. And let's whiz on to Ahmed Musa for Leicester. Yeah. Can they or can't they without Kante? Well, they've got Musa in mm. here. Claudio Ranieri saying that Vardy and Musa will become a potent strike partnership, but they will need time to gel don't they all? So Vardy, as you've already mentioned, had a bit of a a woeful start to to the season. They started together for the first time. That was in that defeat in the opening game. But he was actually one of the few impressive performers in the match, you'd have to say, teeing up Vardy on two occasions, only for last season's top scorer, Jamie, to uncharacteristically blow his chances. But at least he knows he has a man he can play with and link up with very well. And we're seeing signs of that already. They can't repeat what they've done at the weekend otherwise. Otherwise, they could be in a relegation battle. A couple more strikers to add in if we need to, but actually we won't be able to because of cost. Michi Batshuayi for um, Chelsea, hugely expensive, but looks very, very exciting indeed. I like like the look of him very much. And Swanju's Fernando Llorente, another one to look at as well. So we'll whiz it round there and we'll go full circle and say that I'm going to try and put this into a fantasy team if I financially can. And we'll see where we get to. Is it good that I've not put any Middlesbrough players in there? I could have gone for Negredo and he scored as well, but I've 
for the team. Well, I kept mum. it. I kept it neutral. Follow us on Twitter at Offside Rule Pod and like our page on Facebook. Simply type in the Offside Rule. We get it. There's only one of us. All right, Haley. We've got a few minutes to talk about off-season scissors. With a few weeks off over the summer, I've noticed that footballers get up to some of the strangest things. So what unusual goings-on did you spy from your sun lounger um, that players get up to during the silly season? Mine weren't so much silly or weird. A lot of them were quite predictable. All the kind of young, cool footballers in their 20s going to all the places you'd expect them to go. But I did quite like the animal love. On Instagram. What? Yeah. Liverpool's Roberto Firmino had been swimming with dolphins. He'd gone to Mexico, which is slightly dangerous, isn't it? Oh, he's he's the lovely picture of him, just tickling one under the little schnozzle. Yeah, so he's got his little life jacket on with his his partner and um, he's having a great time with the dolphins. He's kissing one as well. He is. And then you also have hearts melted with Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain. Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, hearts melted when they saw pictures of him and baby monkeys and feeding little tiny tigers with bottles of milk. This is ridiculous. Hang on a minute. Let's have a look at this. He went on a trip to the zoo. Oh, please. Right, Okay. Someone, if you're at home, look at the mirror. Pictures of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain feeding baby tigers and, oh, his his Instagram and cuddling a baby monkey. I mean, it's kind of like a dodgy greetings card from Clinton's. (laughs) It's pretty sort of vomitville for me. Come on, it's cute. It's really cute. And then more animals... Have you heard about the place where you can go swimming with pigs? There's a little island in the Bahamas and a few places in the world where there are just millions of micro pigs just swimming in the sea. Micro pigs? Micro pigs, yeah. Oh. Now, this isn't quite micro pig. This is a giant pig. This pig is, is bigger than Wayne Rooney's son. But uh, there he is, just him and his missus and little Kai swimming with pigs. Oh, I'm glad that we've compared Wayne Rooney's son to the size of a pig. That's a really weird sight, actually. I've never seen a pig stand on a beach before in what looks like paradise, Mm. but there we go. I'll give you a few of mine. Marco Royce, he spent the summer finally passing his driving test. He made a bit of a boo-boo a couple of years ago when he was caught driving without a licence. Apparently he never had a licence, but just thought he could pop in a car and drive, (laughs) you know. Uh, So he finally passed his test. Well done to him. Whilst Jamie Vardy's been recovering from a wrist op, his wife's been speaking to the Daily Mail. Yes, Rebecca's been in the press a little bit, um, gave a pretty pragmatic interview to the Daily Mail. She said, quite honestly, I go in the sun, I have Botox and I've got a boob job. So, you know, well done her for being upfront in more ways than just one. (laughs) Adam Lallana and Jordan and Henderson popped off for a lad's holiday. Oh. They went to Miami. What really puzzled me about this is that he was wandering around the poolside, yeah. Lalana, with his boxer shorts showing over his swimming trunks, which is odd anyway, isn't it, to go to a pool and see someone with a pants still on. Yeah. But I thought, you know, fair enough, perhaps he's coming off going shopping and he's just having a quick wander around the pool. The next photo I see of him, he's basically coming out of the pool with wet shorts and he's still got his pants on. I don't know who needs to explain to Adam Lalana, but you need to take your pants off before you get in the pool. Yeah, and then your swim shorts back on. Maybe he was just worried about them being slightly see-through or something. I don't know what was going on, but it was a pretty odd sight. Yeah. Danny Simpson and Jaden Gibbs were in uh, LA. Danny Simpson loves life, doesn't he? And they're with (laughs) Nicholas Bentner. Nicholas Bentner just... Oh, this is a very odd combination of people. And Nicholas Bender looks like a giant. He does. I still can't believe he's only 28. I thought he was like 34, past it. God knows where he's playing these days after Wolfsburg. I mean, he's he's got some grey tights on, underneath grey shorts. That is quite some trio. Yeah, Danny Simpson, 
Jaden there just they, uh, they kind of look like they're doing some sort of British military fitness session at the do. local park don't they or filming a rap video a bad one yeah oh what about bad boy Diego Costa guess what he did in the summer he went to a festival in Brazil an actual music festival where mm. you camp out and everything wow well done to him yeah. You know when we turn up at football stadiums and you see mums and dads and wives and girlfriends and kids and they're dressed in their United shirts or City shirts or Liverpool or whatever and you think, oh, you'd, you'd never catch a footballer wearing a shirt with the whole family. Well, Daley Blind and his Dutch teammate, Siem de Jong, went to watch a bit of NBA basketball and they all decided to go full out, full kit, hats tops, everything, all matching to go and watch They look like real fans. Like real fans. They've been raiding that club shop of all its merchandise, haven't they? Look at that. It's like a little walking advert for the shop. It's brilliant. (laughs) They look so happy with themselves as well, as we are uh, to be back. So um, a very warm welcome back to you listeners. We look forward to entertaining you during the season. Season number five. Can you believe it? Don't forget the lovely website, offsiderallpodcast.com. Plenty of great, fresh and uplifting content there as well. And our Twitter, at OffsideRulePod, great place to go to for some amusing tweets. We've had some great reaction to some of our tweets over the summer, I have to say. People are getting involved, which is great. So thank you very much to our social media team and everyone behind the scenes as well. You know, Linda's meant to be organising our next party. Oh, it's meant to be the, the ones, summer party, the ones, but it's the one in September. Oh, yes, the ones I always miss. Yes. I'm, I'm a disgrace. You are an utter disgrace, Amy McQueen. So whilst we let Lindsay carry on being busy with that and the Olympics, we will let you go. So the next time you hear from us, folks, will be in a couple of weeks' time. Yes, and the transfer deadline will be just about done. So we'll have plenty to talk about as the Premier League really starts to take shape. But for now, thanks for listening and it's great to be back. See you later. The Female Take on Football. Sports Social Podcast Network.